0: This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. I have a little bit of a different introduction for you today. So today's interview is with Katrina Burke from Katrina Burke Coaching, who you may remember from way back in Series 2. We talk about schools around Australia returning to on-campus learning for all students and the way that transition is playing out for teachers and leaders and school staff. And what we can do individually and collectively to support ourselves and each other during that transition and during the challenges of the ongoing uncertainty around the way the school system and the COVID-19 crisis is continuing to unfold. I really wanted to release this episode this week because I believe it's important and timely. I think it's a timely conversation for educators as schools navigate this transition, uh, which is happening right now. But before we get to that interview, I want to take a moment to pause and acknowledge something else that's happening right now. If you're listening to this episode at the time of its release, in the first week of June 2020, there are protests in the US this week following the murder of George Floyd in police custody, which is also following on from a long list of police brutality against BIPOC, Black, Indigenous and people of colour. And I want to acknowledge the hurt, and trauma, and injustice of that. So, to my US listeners, particularly African-American listeners, I'm thinking of you. Black Lives Matter. Here in Australia, it's also Reconciliation Week, and we have our own Black Lives Matter movement here too, because we have police brutality here too. According to the Guardian Australia's Deaths Inside project, there have been At least 432 Aboriginal deaths in custody since the Royal Commission in 1991. If this is news to you, or even if it's not, I will put a couple of links in the description of this episode that I recommend you read for the Australian context because it gets so little media attention and public attention here. So, I acknowledge and I recognise the pain and trauma of this injustice for Aboriginal people here in Australia too. If you're following Self-Care for Teachers on social media, you may have seen that this week I'm participating in the hashtag Amplify Voices Challenge, which is about centering the voices and lived experiences of folks of colour. So, I'm not posting my own content in social media this week. I'm muting myself and I'm listening. I'm sharing the work of BIPOC teachers and leaders and content creators in my stories, mainly on Instagram. And listening and learning and reflecting on my privilege and how I can unpack that going forwards. This isn't a one and done thing. It will be ongoing internal work for me. And I hope for all of us to unravel how society conditions us and what we allow to continue at the expense of black and indigenous lives. I want to say also that I don't need praise for this. It's, it's not about me. And I'm not really sure what the right response is, but I know that ignoring this and saying nothing would be wrong. I support the Black Lives Matter movement. It's a matter of human rights. So to my listeners who are white, I invite you to spend some time reading and learning about it too. Check the links in the description and then keep learning and listening to the lived experience of folks of colour. Okay, here is my interview with Katrina from Katrina Burke Coaching about the transitions going on in schools right now as we transition back to on-campus learning all students and how we can support ourselves and each other in this process. Hi, Katrina. Hello, Ellen. Welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast.
1: Thank you. It is great to be here. I'm very excited.
0: I'm excited too, and I'm really pleased to have you back because it has been a little while. It was season two, so it's been, um, I think, nearly two years since we did the last interview, which blows my mind. Uh, So, for those who haven't heard from you, or they haven't been all the way back through all the episodes in the archive yet, tell us who you are and uh, how you work with teachers. Mm. Well, I think things have evolved a little in two years
1: since we spoke last. So, who I am is a former deputy principal, a classroom teacher. In fact, I'm still a teacher one day a week, which is a great part of my role. And for the rest of the time, I split my time between leadership coaching. So, I work with uh, mostly with people in schools, so maybe principals, deputy principals, curriculum leaders, that, that kind of thing, um, but also lots of teachers. And the rest of the time, I'm working with whole groups of staff in schools around teacher well-being. And what that looks like really depends on where the school is at and what they're looking for and what their particular
0: uh, goals are. Mm. And I know that we will get into a little bit more about some of the ways you work or hold space for schools and help them, I suppose, move from A to B, whatever that means for them. Um, But we are recording this in May 2020. And, uh, you know, this week, a lot of schools around the country have gone back to having students in the classroom number of days a week or certain year levels here in Queensland it's everybody's back now but there's sort of different things happening in different states but that's the kind of the place that we are recording this in and we really wanted to suppose be really timely about this because there's been a lot of change for teachers uh, a lot and school leaders everyone involved in schools really this has just been an extraordinary uh, three-month period and I don't think it's over yet. You know, I think we've still got a lot of change to come or certainly a lot of uh, evolving and moving targets, I suppose, in that regard. But I know that you have been uh, speaking with teachers as part of your role and and, uh, with schools and you posted something on Facebook a little while back about what you've been hearing from teachers and what their top thoughts were. At the moment, and there were some themes that had come through, and I'd love it if you could share those with us. Sure. Yeah. I think you know, just to just to
1: kind of bounce off what you said, we probably do still have change to come, but we don't know. And I think it's that it's like that. Just the the foundation is not settled because we're we're waiting. We're we're kind of prepared, but we don't know what we're preparing for. So there, there's still that uncertainty, which. You know, we know as humans for our human brain is is a challenge for us. We don't like the uncertainty. So we're. I feel like we're all in that kind of almost on our starters blocks, ready to go with whatever's next. And certainly one of the things that I've heard a lot from teachers over the past couple of weeks is... You know, I just felt like I was just getting my head around the digital tools, this way of working and, st- and, you know, I wasn't quite treading water as much. I was starting to be able to play and explore different ways of working. And now we're returning back to the classroom. And so I think um, whilst, you know, people are, many people are looking forward to that. There's also that little bit of um, edginess about it would have been nice to keep playing a little as well. But yes, to go back to what the question you asked about those, uh, what I posted was something about the top five. So one of the the ways that I work with with schools is in team coaching. So I have the great privilege to go in each term and work with a with a team with a team of teachers, and that's what I've been able to continue doing um, whilst we've been working remotely. And as I listened, as once we heard that news that we were ready to, you know, make make way for returning. I noticed in listening to teachers from lots of different schools and also online that there was a common, there was commonality. And so that's what I shared. And, you know, we don't always have a neat way of wrapping things up or of having a solution to challenges we're facing or how we're feeling. But there's great comfort, I think, in hearing that others are feeling the same way. So that's why I posted that. And I'm very happy to share that if you would like to do
0: that. Yeah, that would be great. I agree with you. It is, even when we, d- we don't have a kind of a neat way to tie it all up in a bow and say, right, well, that's done with and, and we'll put that away now. You know, I think that idea of closure is a really lovely ideal, but it doesn't often happen that way in real life. But it is really comforting when we can say, right, I'm not alone. Other people feel this too. Yes, that's exactly right. And
1: you know, that's the whole, that's part of the self-compassion piece as well, isn't it? Knowing that I'm not on my own. Because again, you know, to go back to the, to what we know about the human brain, when we feel like it's just us, we tend to keep quiet about it. And we kind of close ourselves off thinking that there's something faulty or wrong with us. And, and you know, the when we're courageous enough to speak out, that's when we get other people going, oh, thank goodness you said that. I'm feeling exactly that, or I've been thinking like that. And you can see people physically feel relieved. So when we, you know, when we have the, when we're able to draw up the courage to say it, um, I think it's great. I think it's really helpful. So to go to those things that came up, Alan, in listening to teachers, I kind of grouped them after I sat and listened to them. And I so, I'll talk about it maybe in relation to the way that I grouped them. And if there's anything there, we, we can lean into it a little. So, the first area I heard was, of course, around wellbeing. Now, I just want to kind of caveat this and say that we were, you know, when I'm working with teachers, we're talking about teacher or staff well-being. We're not talking about the students. You know, we, we have other avenues for that. So, I very much give people permission to say we're talking about us as humans and teachers. So, that in this list that I'm going to share with you, there's no mention of students and that's not because we didn't think of them but because they weren't a part of our conversation quite deliberately. So in terms of well-being, one of the things that came up a lot was people saying, you know, I've loved having this time. Whilst we've still been working super hard, the timing has been a little different. I haven't been commuting an hour each way and so I've got this time. And I was delighted to hear that a lot of people had taken that time to do something for themselves. So maybe going for a walk or doing some exercise in the morning or whatever it was. And the challenge that is arising now for people is the tension around, well, I'm going back to school, I'm going back to commuting, but I got so much benefit out of that time for myself. How am I going to maintain that? And, you know, the want is there to maintain it, the desire. And I think, you know, from our perspective as wellbeing practitioners, people have felt it. They felt the value of having that time, but now the tension is how do I maintain it amongst what I'm about to step back into?
0: Yeah. And it is a tricky one. I think it's always a tricky one, like, quote, unquote, in normal times, it, that's, that's always the challenge. But I think there's a, a whole lot of extra challenges at the moment around that too. But it's also, it's more important now than ever to make sure that we are, you know, fitting our own oxygen mask first. I agree with you. Yes, yeah, so that's something,
1: um, again, I don't have all the answers to that, but at least we know and we can be talking about that, about what are some little ways we can do that. Uh, Okay, so the other um, one of the other areas was around acknowledgement. So I've got a quote here from someone. They said, "Look, my leaders have been really supportive while we've been doing this remote learning, but I'm wondering, do they actually know the work and the time we've been putting into this different way of working?" And you know, I've got to say that that you know I heard that theme come up, and I'm. It's very important to say that there was no kind of bitterness or us and them about that, but a genuine want for acknowledgement and understanding. And, again, I don't know the neat way of that, but one of my reasons for sharing it was I want leaders to hear that, that people, you know, they want to be heard and to be seen.
0: To be seen. That's so much what this is about too when when I think there's always been, and you know that I've talked about this before, that idea of the invisible work that goes on and in some ways what this whole situation with remote learning it's made some things more visible you know I think for parents they're maybe a bit more aware of some of the you know invisible work that teachers are normally doing but it's also moved some of the visible classroom work into a a kind of invisible space so it's an interesting thing to consider and I I like that you said we don't have the answers because we don't we're really and, and we're still in it you know so, yeah it's just good to be aware that people want to be seen, and just because maybe now the classroom stuff is back on um, in whatever capacity it is, people still want to be seen that's a really deep human need yes,
1: I think that's what it comes down to, and i, I you know i don't hear people looking for they 're not looking for a certificate they 're not looking for their name on the whiteboard, anything like that um, and I think as you know as school leaders that's really important to have our heads around too, because, you know, there's that temptation, well, we'll have a morning tea. Well, a morning tea is lovely, but if it's just a morning tea, it's a token and can fall flat. So, I think that's a real um, a real tension area potentially. Yeah, good to be aware of. Mm. All right. So, let's move on down to number three. Now, this one was around meaning and People are saying, you know, we've done a great job. Let's just pause and look back at what we have achieved. And, you know, it's kind of how you began talking this conversation today. Look at what we've turned into really quickly and now we're pivoting back again. And what people are saying is we'd like to actually stop and acknowledge that. And I've got to say that is music to my ears because I love that there's an awareness about that because I think as educators, we, you know, I often talk about we're survivors, we will survive until reports are written or until the holidays arrive or sports days over or whatever it is. And then we tick it and we move on very quickly to whatever the next thing is. So, Again, this is not about looking for the certificate to say you did a great job, but can we just pause and take in what we've done before we hit the road running again for what's next, what's next, what's next?
0: Yes, and that is such an important one and we're going to come back to that in a minute, but I'll let you keep going through these, uh, these themes and we'll come back to that topic of pausing and taking some time as a staff or individually to, to acknowledge that. But what's number four? Number four, relationships. Now, I should say,
1: because that just kind of clutched me when I went four, is relationships. These are in no particular order. These are just the most common five. All right, so relationships. This is a really interesting one. So people who are new to schools this year, who've just started this year, they're saying you know i haven't formed solid connections usually by mid-year we're kind of finding our feet in a new place but these people have essentially had a term now i think this matters to everyone because we can all feel a little disconnected because we've been working you know in smaller silos but particularly keeping in mind those people who've just started who maybe they've still been connected with their team but The wider staff, they're going to walk back in and still perhaps not know everyone's names and um, feel quite uh, disconnected
0: in a way. Yeah, that's that is so true, and that is probably something that many of us who have been in the system a while or have been in our schools for a while should try to make a little bit of an extra effort for, for those who we know are new at our school this year and just do not have, as you say, the depth of connection because that is. It's almost like you don't know what you don't know you kind of you maybe know that you don't have you don't know everyone's name but because you don't know everyone's name, you don't even really know h- how you can go about getting around that so those of us who do know everyone's name and do know who's the person to go to for which thing we, we, you know we can definitely do a little bit more and just be cognizant of that and and try and take them under our wing help everybody stay connected and which it's interesting because of all the Online learning and the social isolation or social distancing that everyone's doing, physical distancing anyway. It is interesting that the the way that highlights and amplifies both the the deep connections that we maybe already have and also the ones that are missing. Yeah, good one to keep in mind. Yes, definitely. Okay, and number five, this is
1: around change and uncertainty. So this is what we spoke about early on. You know, what what are we returning to? What's it going to be like? And Will we get that time we want to reconnect and to settle in, not just for us as, as humans and teachers, but with our students as well? And interestingly, interestingly, in one conversation, I heard one of the teachers said, no, we will make that time for our students. We will do that, whether it's kind of mandated or timetabled for, we will do that. Will we do it for us? Or this worry about are we going back to business as usual or are we going to get to be a little bit innovative here and explore or continue to explore what we've
0: been playing with at, during remote learning. Yeah, and because not every student will come back to school, I mean, and we don't know what's going to happen if there are, you know, little outbreaks or spikes or whatever, and different schools may go back to online learning for periods of time. You know, there is a lot of uncertainty and, and almost just acknowledging that we don't, we don't know the answers. Teachers so love to know the answers. We so love to be able to say, yes, week eight next term, this is what we're doing in period three on Tuesday, because I know, because it's on the plan. And we kind of have an understanding that, well, okay, it might not end up being period three on Tuesday that week. It might end up being on Thursday because something gets in the way. But we don't think all of week eight will be something completely different like it has been this last three months. I think we kind of, we're okay with a level of flexibility in that regard, but we really, we do like to know the answers and we do like to be planned. It is really such a fundamental part of the job. So it's good to just go, yeah. We like that and that's not where we are. <laughs> we don't know what's happening We don't, or we don't know what's happening next week or in a month. Exactly right.
1: And this is the importance to be able to, to be, feel safe enough to say that to someone because we know it's that Dan Siegel strategy of name it to tame it. Even if I just get to name it, I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable or uncertain or edgy or whatever. You know, that in itself relieves a little bit of the worry and the load.
0: And it can help us feel not only not alone, because if if we can say that to a a group of people who are also feeling that and everybody says, oh, yeah, me too, you know, it can help us connect and feel not alone, but it can also just help us get that little bit of, uh, I suppose, distance from it so that we're not as in it because we suddenly can do that self-compassion piece by saying, oh, look, that's what's going on. Of course I'm finding that difficult. Yes,
1: yeah. That's right, Alan. I know you and I both talked earlier in this whole pandemic and we had attended a webinar and we'd looked at this graph on change. And I went, I shared that with a lot of my teaching colleagues and so many, and it it explains just in a nutshell, it basically explains how we as humans respond to change. And it takes us through the kind of initial spike in action that we all had, and then down into the dip of uncertainty, and then back up the other side, starting to feel a little bit more resilient and a little bit more like we've got a grip on things. And when I was able to share that with, with educators, so many people went, oh, that's exactly what has happened to me? Okay, I get it. It's not like I wasn't hoping. This is what humans do. Yes.
0: This is a normal response to this situation. And I did, I did cover that. It's Virginia Satir's change reaction model. And I, I did cover it in, it was the last episode of season five. So it would be about four or five back in the feed for people who are listening to this on the podcast. Yeah. It does help, doesn't it? When we can just go, I'm not the only one and this won't last forever. Whatever this is, even if we don 't know what it 's going to be next month or or even this time next year, but we know it won't last forever <laughs> mm. so well let 's come back to that that idea of having some time to acknowledge what has gone on and how well we have responded and how much we have done you know individually and collectively. this really is it has been a huge disruption to the way education functions in this country and, and around the world, you know, it, it has absolutely been probably the biggest disruption in at least living memory, I think. But um, I'd love to hear, because I know you have some thoughts on this, on how schools can facilitate a conversation with staff, with, with the adults. As you said, the, the teachers are often saying, well, we're going to do this with the students. But are we going to do it with ourselves? How can we actually make some time and space to sit with that, sit with each other, connect over the fact that this has just been a lot of change and now we're coming back into more uncertainty, but, you know, it's another transition. If we're making time, what should we be asking ourselves in these conversations? Well, you know, I think this is
1: a challenging area. I've been giving a lot of thought to this and talking to different people and I've, I'm i coming to understand that I think it's challenging because we're working with humans and we all, you know, some of us like to just go and manage it on our own and go away quietly and and filter and sort and whatever it is and others like to talk and share. And so as someone trying to create the space for those conversations to happen it can be a little bit frightening because, you know, we don't want to do damage. We don't want to put people in an uncomfortable situation. We're trying to help them to make that transition and say what needs to be said, to have the conversations that matter to them. Um, and so and so, I think, Alan, what's really important is to ask. I think, you know, I, I, it sounds so simple. There's no bells and whistles on that. But, you know, as a, as a, a leader, a leadership team, ask, or at the very least, make whatever it is you create an invitation. So, I put some ideas out to some of my principals this week about how might you invite people to come together and to have those conversations. And, you know, you're in the school, you know your people best. So, it might be that you create, instead of a a staff meeting, let's just come together. And if you want to do the afternoon tea at the same time, ripper. But why don't we create space for people to have the conversation they want to? If you've got a big staff, you might do that in pairs, in small groups. But really, it's that invitation to this. So, this is not an obligation. And and also, you know, that setting up of the boundaries is so important so that, you know, because that, At a brain level, if I'm walking into something and I think I'm going to be emotionally exposed, this is Brene's vulnerability, isn't it? Risk, emotional exposure and uncertainty. So I think I'm walking into a group counselling situation, I might shut down and get absolutely nothing out of it. So I think the boundaries are very important and a sense of invitation rather than obligation. Mm,
0: Such important points. And especially just even noticing that Of those three that Brene Brown lists, we're already living in uncertainty 24-7 at the moment. So all of that is already heightened. So let's be even more aware of how important the the boundaries are for the rest of it. And and you're so right. There is no one-size-fits-all and we want to make sure that there is an opportunity for people to talk about it if they want to. But if they know themselves and they know, actually, I'm good, I've got my people that I talk to in my personal life, I don't need to, you know chat about it here in the staff room great if they're happy with as long as they don't feel that they're not allowed to speak about it then the invitation as opposed to the obligation makes so much sense to me yes
1: yeah i agree and people will find their own level with that so maybe you know maybe that smaller grouping is safer so then if that conversation does become about something very different that's cool. I don't feel like I'm, I'm in front of everyone. Doing yeah, that. that's right. It's not public in the same way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's this is where it's the thought that counts. We, you know, we're, because that in itself is an acknowledgement, isn't it? Today, there's no after school staff meeting or PLT meeting or whatever you want to call it. What we're doing is we're gathering. And there's this wonderful quote, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but this idea that we gather, we gather because we need each other as humans and we gather to solve problems, to support, just to simply be there. So creating the space and the time, you know, what that we as teachers, when you give us time, we appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like that idea that if anything, gathering is the agenda. We're not gathering to work through an agenda which is what happens in, you know, your typical staff meeting or whatever, yeah, whatever we're calling the meeting now, professional learning meetings and that sort of thing, there's an agenda and we had to all be in the room for us to work through that agenda. But actually the gathering is is the agenda here. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that too.
0: So then I guess on the flip side, because not every school is going to be doing that and we know that there's, you know, various amounts of time and energy and resources and we know that principals and school leaders also have well-being challenges of their own. So, for individuals, whether or not their school is facilitating some kind of conversation like this, what would you recommend for individuals to step themselves through a process of acknowledging the transition, acknowledging everything that's happened and and maybe sort of holding space for themselves going through this next phase? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I guess,
1: um, and there's a thousand answers to that, isn't there? My mind's just exploded with all the ways. And I guess the first thing that comes to mind is always a wonderful work of Kristen Neff with self-compassion, because if, you know, if we're feeling like we want to hold space or have the space held for us and it's not happening, then that's tough. And that adds another layer on top of the, the uncertain feelings we've already got. So, um, you know, I always want to refer people back to that self-compassion practice, which is about acknowledging how it feels and just asking yourself that question, what do I need right now? And for some people that need will be, I need to reach out to someone I can trust and just have a conversation. Just whatever your whatever matters for you with your space. Maybe it's about honouring the return, returning to school, is about for me honouring that I'm going to keep that space for myself where I get to do that wonderful work, walk I do every. I'm going to keep that sacred, um, and that's my way of taking the good from what has happened. For others, it might be about journaling it, to name it and work through it. This is what, wow, look at what I achieve because, you know, we can get stuck in our mindset as well. So if we're in that mindset of perhaps returning to a workplace that can be a bit challenging or where I don't feel my kind of social emotional needs are met, then to be able to shift it and to work through, well, what were the good things that happened and to, to be able to acknowledge that for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's important. And so it's, you know, again, it's, there's no one size fits all. It's about checking in with yourself and probably won't be one, one check-in. It'll probably be a series of check-ins I would think, which is where some of those, you know, routines and rituals that we do create in our lives that can be, whether it's the self-care, you know, and I, and I'm using that term, the personal care, self-care stuff, like, you know, getting your eyebrows done or whatever. Or where there's other kind of more deeper and a little bit probably more difficult self-care activities like maybe doing some journaling on some prompts that that might bring up some stuff, but we know that that was the purpose of it. Or even reaching out and getting some counselling if we feel that that's what we need. Because everybody's experience of this is going to have been so different. Yes,
1: that's right. I was just thinking that as you said that, you know, some people are probably rubbing their hands together going, great get me back and get me off this screen and let me get in front of real people and work with them in that way. So for them, they're good to go. And for others, they might be like, okay, well, this is what we do next because that's what we do as teachers. We make it happen. We just saw it. We make it work. We make it work. So, okay, I'm going to make it work. I'm here. And so it might not be until a couple of weeks into this new reality that we've got that, you know, we start to go, hang on a minute, This I'm feeling a little A little not myself, let me just check in on that um, or check in with that trusted other.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I heard a great or might have seen it on social media, a really great quote that I think applies here. And it was about, we're not all in the same boat, but we are in the same storm. And I thought that was a really helpful way of thinking about it because this has impacted all of us, like a storm impacts everybody in the area where there is the storm. But some people are in a yacht. And some people are in a dodgy tinny, you know. We're not all in the same boat. So let's keep that in mind that not everyone's had the same experience here. And what what fits for us or what feels good for us might not work or feel good for the person next to us in the staff room. And I think we're very good at doing that with the students in the classroom. But but I think we still need to remind ourselves of that just for our own lives, but also with the staff, you know, with our colleagues as well.
1: Yes, I agree with that.
0: This understanding myself
1: allows me to understand others better. And to me, that's the whole, that's kind of the essence of everything about being a better human, a better leader, a better whatever you are. If I understand that I've, I'm having an experience and I have, a, have feelings about it, others might feel differently, but something will be happening for them. It allows me to be generous, I guess, in my interactions with others.
0: Mm, that's a lovely word. Generous. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation and thank you for your generosity and your wisdom, Katrina. Just to wrap up, tell us where we can find you, where we can connect with you online and uh, where if principals are listening and they would like you to come work with the staff at their school, where they can find you.
1: Great, thanks, Alan. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook, on the social media, and Katrina Burke Coaching is the way to find me. And uh, I have a website of the same address, katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. And um, I'm always open to having a conversation. I think I said right at the beginning, you know, I don't, I don't have a program that I offer and I'm I'm not apologetic about that. I'm very proud of that. I work with the school that I'm working with or with the individual client in coaching to create something that is is tailored to them. So if that is your way of working and you'd like to talk, more than happy to.
0: Yeah, great. And we will put the links in the description of the podcast. In the podcast app and also on the show notes as well on the website super thanks katrina thanks ellen thanks for listening to the teacher Wellbeing podcast brought to you by self-care for teachers if you've enjoyed it go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode if you're listening on apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify Hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher well-being and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.